Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. I have a lot in my heart this morning. God is stretching me. Usually I know what I'm going to talk about when I come up here. He gave me one sentence. But I'm excited too because it means he's starting to trust me. Um, in a new way, and I'm starting to trust him, and that's what intimacy with the Lord looks like, is that as you get to know each other, see, he knows everything about us, but his question is, will you come and get to know me the way that I know you? And that's absolutely impossible if we don't take the time to press into his heart, if we don't actually give up ourselves, our time, the things he's entrusted to us, we can never know him if we won't go there. And I know, like, many of you probably, I'm, I'm not on social media no more. It's been a long time. The Lord told me to shut it off over a, a year ago. But I keep hearing the talk, like Azusa and all this revival, and it's awesome. And But sometimes, so many times, you hear right behind it when you think of revival is all the signs and wonders and the things that follow it. And I think it's a ploy of the enemy to get us to look at signs and wonders. They're amazing. That's what God does. He, he is a God of signs. He's a God of wonders. But the more that you press in, the more that you study Scripture, the more that you get to know that He's a God of love. He's a God of intimacy. He's a God that longs to know His people and for His people to know Him. And the enemy's desire would be that we would be infatuated with wonders. We'd chase signs. We'd chase wonders. And if you actually go back... Since Azusa came up, someone mentioned it this morning. It's an amazing revival. And the things that followed when it started, what God poured His Spirit out, some amazing things happened. But I just feel like as I was in worship, He told me to touch on the fact, how did that revival start? Where was its roots birth? It was an African-American man. I don't know, I don't... I'm not a scholar on it. I just know I studied enough to know. He was blind in one eye. He had a passion for God. And he was on a mission. He was, he was just crying out for revival. And he got invited to come and be part of a church out in L.A. And he travels all the way across country. When he gets there and they meet him and they actually start to talk, they told him that their doctrine didn't agree with what he wanted to bring. So he, got, he was virtually homeless, no job, no money, had no idea what he was going to do. And one man, one godly man with character invited him to his home. And they, all they did, all they knew is say, brother, let's pray. So they got on their knees and they started to press into the Lord. And they did it for many hours. The man he was staying with had to get up and go to work. The one-eyed African-American man saying was William Seymour. He devoted seven hours every single day on his knees, crying out for that one thing. He didn't even know what it was. He wasn't filled with the Spirit of God even. He was crying out for revival, whatever that looked like. He wanted heaven to touch earth. And as he did that, when the other man would come home from work, he'd join him. And pretty soon, people started to get drawn to it because when people come together pursuing the Father... His spirit cannot help but to come. And his presence comes and rests on those that long to know him. 
And so he joined them there, and others were drawn to it, whether it was family members. Pretty soon there was seven, then there was ten, and then there was fifteen, and then there was twenty, but it went day after day. I don't know how many weeks it was, but seven hours a day he was on his face crying out for this one thing, to know the Father. And pretty soon there was hundreds of people. The front porch on the house collapsed. So they had to move it out in the yard. There was 1,400 people in the yard of a house of a man that got kicked out of a church. But he had one thing. He wanted to know the Father. That was his heart's cry. If you, if you actually go and I challenge you, go and study it. He didn't cry out, God, come with, don't, we want to see signs and wonders. No, he said, we want to know your heart. Revival is birthed in that place, on your knees, crying out to him to know him. Because he created us for his image. He created us for intimacy. The funny thing happened, though, it started out just as prayer meetings, and then they asked him if he would preach. And then he preached a sermon. And the, I think it was the very first time that he preached, the Holy Spirit showed up. And a lot of things started happening. They didn't ask for him. They didn't, that's not what they were seeking but it is a biblical truth. These signs will follow those that believe. They didn't go looking for signs. They went looking for Him. When they found Him, He came. And He is no different today. I guess I just feel like His heart is, no matter what comes, what we face, I believe that there's a great awakening coming. But He's saying, don't pursue the signs. Pursue me. Pursue my heart. That's the only way a true revival will last is if we, as His people, if we press in when we're, on, we're all alone. I mean, you do it corporately, but He is more concerned about you knowing Him intimately. As we press into Him alone, He will meet us there and it will affect every part of your life. And I felt like three years ago, a little over three years ago, I felt like his heart this morning, he wanted me to share kind of something he used in my life to shape me, mold me, and I think to prepare me for today, for what, we, what we're facing. And I feel like he wanted me to share just from my heart the things that he did in my heart and hopes to challenge you to press in for more. And um, my wife, Kristen, She's an amazing woman. Eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, she had this desire when our youngest son went to school to start a little gym because she just wanted more. She had taught aerobics and did a bunch of stuff for, whole, for 13 years. She had been part of the fitness world, but she, she just felt like she was tired of it and I think not even realized God put something in her like he does not knowing what he was setting us up for. So she opened this little, she found this little thing online called CrossFit, and she went, she decided she wanted to start doing it. And Long story short, she decided she was going to um, open her own gym, which it was kind of a stretch, but I, I just supported it. I didn't know what it was, but she was going to get certified, so I went with her. It, eight years ago, I wasn't in the place I am now. I was pursuing a lot of things, I read my Bible, I went to church, and I did what a lot of people that call themselves Christians do. 
but I can say I didn't know him. Well, in process, a lot of you have heard my testimony, you know, about two years after we started that, or, I mean, just a year and a half prior to starting, I had sold a business, and I went through a whole lot of stuff. So I was in a, in a time period, I was still trying to find myself when she opened this thing, but I've worked out myself personally since I was 15, and so it was a big part of my life, and not realizing it, it consumed a lot of my time for not always good reasons. But we opened this little gym, and it was cool because it was about people. It was, it was a way we met new people. And for me, I had never stood up and taught like she had. That's one thing my, my biggest fear I ever had since I was a little kid was standing up in front of people talking. And so one thing with CrossFit, it was group training, and I had to stand up. It wasn't big, but it was a really stretch for me. It was a, for me to stand up, even in a small class, and, and start talking about something that I was still learning and start teaching people just certain movements and whatever. And, um, well, again, God will set you up wherever you're at. If there's any piece of you that's, that's crying out for him, he's training you a lot of times when you don't even know it. Because I wasn't, I, I, you know, they said I had a desire. I read my Bible and I prayed, but I didn't understand. I was broken. I didn't, I had a hole in my heart that wasn't filled yet. And so... I ate, I don't know, a lot of, some of you know what CrossFit is, but it's, it's kind of cultish almost, like the mainstream part of it. Like people, they, they dive into it, they're all in, and um, it just consumes their life. It's, like a, it's, it's just really crazy. But when I first discovered it, it was something new that was such a challenge to me that, I'm just going to be honest, I dove in head first, all in, and it consumed me. And... So much so, I'm just going to be open. I actually got a CrossFit tattoo on my body. <laughs> I just want you to know how far in I was, okay? I thought it was the most amazing thing, and I was good at it. You know, we did competitions, you know, and I placed really well. But somewhere on a line, along the lines over the course of time, I had this encounter with the Father. And he completely wrecked my life. And then he did the most amazing thing because in the natural, I never would have looked at a gym and thought this could be some kind of ministry. Never crossed my mind. This was all about everyone coming in and my only goal was to beat you. And the guy next to me was hoping that I tripped so he could step on me to beat me. That's, the, that's in the nutshell what the sport was. But as this... I had this encounter. He gave me a new heart, set me free from a porn addiction that I, that I had my whole life. And then the very next thing he did, I know I've spoken many messages on finances, but he had me to lay that down. Then one day, but well, it wasn't three days, he, he went on a fast track to completely just wreck my life and just take everything out of me that, used, that wasn't his, that he could put his, his heart into me. And, well, CrossFit is about, you know, it's training where you, you work hard. It's all about wind. It's all about this stuff. Well, there's this thing called the CrossFit Open. I want to spend one more minute, but I just want to give you an outline because I feel like I have to set up for something. And um, the Open is everybody in the country all around the world, every year they do this competition, and there's a leaderboard, and you can put your scores in. and So everybody can see where they stack up to other 
elite CrossFitters in the world, I guess what it's for. But, well, they post this first workout. I didn't even sign up. I was just going to do it just for fun. And um, I remember telling Chris, I said, man, this workout fits me. Every part of it fits me. I'm going to do really well. So I go in the gym and I, you know, I taught every morning at 6. I taught my class. They were done and I jump in to do my workout. And as soon as I started, I felt like a, I've never had, um, I don't know what asthma feels like, but I felt like, like something closed on my windpipe. I couldn't breathe. And so I spent most of that workout leaning on a box, just in frustration. I didn't think a whole lot of it, but for the whole next week, then they post one a week for X amount of weeks, and, and the next week they post another one again. I said, man, this one fits me pretty well. I think I'm going to do pretty good. So I go back in there again, same thing, I can't breathe. But I'm not sick. I feel great. Outside of there, everything's fine. I think by week five, I started to realize something's going on. Or week, it was week three. I think it was three weeks, sorry. And I was just, I was, so much had happened in my life. I was just a little bit, and, and I remember just venting to her and saying, man, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I can't breathe. I don't know if God wants me to stop doing this, if he wants me to lay this, you know, quit the gym. And, and um, but it was like the next morning or the next day, it was, I just came to a point where, I was frustrated and actually probably shed some tears about it, just to be honest. I was just in a place where, like, I was, as I pursued God, like, he was just doing things that I didn't fully understand. And so one day I just threw my arms up. I said, God, if you want it, you can have it. I don't care about it. You can have it all. You can have my ability to do it. You can have the gym. I'm just, I'm done. And that night I get a text from a friend, and he said, hey, man, he's like, I got a friend of mine that's a missionary. He's in town. He does CrossFit. He lost like 60 pounds over the last year and a half. And he's here visiting, and I was wondering if it'd be okay if I bring him in the morning. I was like, sure. You know, I'd love to meet him. And so he comes, he comes and, you know, put him through a workout, whatever. Didn't really talk to him long. But he, um, Another one of my members had been coming for four years. Says, "Hey, man, how's your open workouts going?" Because knowing that, like, said at that time, I was a. It was pretty normal occurrence that I would win. And I looked at him. I said, "Man, I don't know what's wrong with me." I said, "I can't breathe for the last three weeks. I I have bombed every one." He said, "Really?" He said, "Man." He said, "You sick?" I said, "No, I feel fine." He said, "Well, I'm going to pray for you." Well, that the missionary he was across the room, and he's like. His ear perked up, and he looks at me and says, what's going on? And so he came over, so I just told him. And he kind of just chuckles, and he says, it's one of two things. Either you have demons, <laughs> you have demons that are just on you, and if that's the case, we'll get rid of them now, but I, or else God is pruning your heart. I tend to think it's the latter. It'll be sweet when it's over. And so it's funny. As soon as he said it, I felt literally in my heart, I felt something click. And then he left, and I'm all alone. And I jump on a rower, and I start pulling. And by the third pull, I felt my, my windpipe open. And I had, all my, I had all my wind back, but then God just started to speak. And he says, Carl, he says, he says, I don't want your gym. I don't want your ability to do this. I want you to realize it's a gift. 
It's a gift that I've gave you. It's a gift that I've entrusted to you. But you've hid behind it far too long, like a false identity, working out with someone where I knew who I was and he knew what it would take to break me from something that kept me from him. And then he's like, have it back, but use it for my glory. It's the same exact words he said to me with finances just like a month before that. And then completely came back. I worked out and I was fine. Well, then he tells me, he says, I want you to do something. He says, I want you to make this gym about loving people. Your only goal, your only reason why you do it is as they come in, I want you to love them. I don't want you to tell them, which would seem really corny because then there'd be an expectation. He said, no, I want you to love them. Make your only goal that when they leave, they, they're in a better place than when they came in. And I told you a little bit about CrossFit. Well, my class was pretty big, and it was just a bunch of competitive men. So we start, I, he, it was in a season of my life, like go, talking about intimacy, he would wake me up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would just be with him until 6 o'clock. And so I would go into this gym so full of him and so full of joy and so full of life that it just kind of poured out of me. I didn't have to try it naturally, just happened. But the amazing thing that happened as I just went with him, him with me, I started to see without even speaking a word, hearts starting to change. I started to see these men, these callous men, these hard men that wanted to just beat you and crush you and step on you like there was a complete shift going on. And it was amazing to me. And I had told her, I said, I'm going to try this for two months and see what happens. Within four weeks, I would finish teaching. And next thing you know, I'd see this, this happen one day. This one man just stays and he's kind of waiting around, you know, with someone you can see he wants to talk. And everyone leaves and he walks up. He just starts pouring his heart. He hadn't been there. I think he had been at the gym maybe four months at the time. I didn't know him really well. He starts pouring his heart, telling me what's going on, things he struggled with. We end up for two hours just sitting there just speaking truth into him. The next day, he stays again. The next day, he stays again. The fourth day, someone else stays. And it just starts, all of a sudden, this whole atmosphere begins to shift. Then one day, I'm coming out, and them same two guys, after I had talked with him, I talked to the other guy, I come out of the gym one day, I, I would teach, and if whatever I talked to people about, then, the, then I would do my workout. Well, I'm getting ready to work out, and I walk outside, and I, these two guys are standing out by a truck. And again, they were far enough away where I shouldn't hear them. They weren't talking loud. But all I hear is daughter sick specialist. And my ears perked up. Holy Spirit says, go over there. So I walk over there. I said, what's going on, guys? He said, oh, his daughter's sick. And I was telling him I have this creative health specialist that, I go, that our family uses. And I was thinking maybe that she could help. I was oh, what's going on? No, I said, I said, I know a specialist. Can we pray? That's what I said. And it was like, well, yeah, yeah, we pray. I pray for her every night is what, you know, the other guy said. And I was like, well, no, no, not like that. I said, what's wrong with her? He said, she has MRSA. said three months. She's done three runs of antibiotics. But it, it just it keeps flaring up, and it flared up again two days ago. And they were really genuinely concerned. And I was like, hey, come here. The guy's name was Chris. I said, Chris, come here. Let, let's lay hands on him. And so he comes over, he looks, his eyes got really big because he's never done this before. And quite frankly, honestly, I didn't either. It was something that was growing in. 
he walks over there, and I said, what's your daughter's name? He tells me. So it wasn't about, like Dan said last week, it's not about what you pray. It's about the faith with which you speak. And all I said is, Jesus, I know this isn't from you. In Jesus' name, be healed. I had closed my eyes. I opened them. This guy, he's a big old dude. He's just pouring tears. He has a big smile. I said, I don't know what my daughter is, but I feel way better. <laughs> and so I laugh, and off he goes. And that evening, I get a text from the man named Chris. He's, you know, he's a Christian guy. He, goes, he went to a community church somewhere down in Simpsonville. He texts me. He says, brother, so amazing. I said, what's up? He's like, I was just at dinner with a friend. And the wait- waitress came up. She was just complaining. And, and, and my friend was started just to gripe. And he said, he said, something inside me said to pray for her. So I stopped her and I grabbed her hand and, you know, and asked her, can we pray for you? And I pray, and she's just sobbing and I'm sobbing. And he's like, this is so amazing. But it's a gem. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like so toned down. Like I was the most obnoxious person to live with. I know I wasn't. Like she'll stand up and you can see that. <laughs> you weren't safe if you were in any anywhere near me in them days but um the next morning i go to the gym and i teach and and everybody leaves but this guy that we prayed for his daughter he stays he's sitting outside by the fence and he's stretching and i look at him and he's grinning like the chester cat i mean just ear to ear and just glowing and i'm like what's going on i said hey man how's your daughter he just starts crying he's like dude he's like i got home yesterday completely healed But yet we're in Greer. She's in Greenville. But we didn't go looking for it. It was just a simple yes. And if you know him, you'll hear the yes. And it's not about that. It's about him being glorified. So we're there bawling together, hugging, praising God, because Jesus is amazing. I didn't know what was going on in his life. He told me a little bit. That guy happened to be a contractor that my company did work for. I invited him to my gym. You know, so this thing just keeps, like, growing. Well, a a man that works for me in my office meets him on a job site. Like, it was a couple months later. And he, um, he starts telling him how, like, maybe it's a month he's like, he starts telling him how much the gym has blessed him, how much has made him come alive. He tells him that 16 years he hadn't been to church. His wife had never been. He had two daughters. And they had been a few times with their parents. But after that, when the Lord healed his daughter, all of a sudden God became a reality. So he joins the church. His wife gets baptized. All of a sudden the kingdom's growing. And I just, again, I just got worse. I got progressively worse. God gave my wife lots and lots of patience for me. But it, it was so awesome because it, it wasn't just, it was, it affected everybody. But then after about a month, Chris comes out to me and says, dude, what is going on? What are you doing? What happened? I said, let me tell you. 
And I told him, I said, yo, I said, this is what God told me to do. And he's like, man, that's awesome. I'm doing it too. So that, that became his goal. Well, a few months later, um, it, a lot of things were happening. I saw many people healed in the gym. There were whatever people, they tore something, break, you know, whatever. And then, but a, a few months later, Greg meets this guy again. He was in a church where he had joined a small group. And he says, um, it's not giving me what my heart is looking for. They're teaching us how to serve our church, how to serve in, this, in a building, but they're not teaching us what a disciple is. They're not teaching us about like intimacy with the Father. Like, I wish there was some way. And so Greg tells me, he says, hey man, you may want to think about this. I'm talking to him on a job, and he said that um, he, maybe it's something, an opportunity to use with the gym that you could start something there where it could actually be specifically about discipling. And I hung up the phone. As soon as I hung up the phone, it was clear as day. The Holy Spirit's like, well, he's like, Carl, why don't you do it? He's like, all you're doing on Thursday morning is sleeping. Why don't you just get up? And I was like, that's a pretty good idea. I was excited. So I started praying. And then I asked Kristen about it that night. And I said, well, what do you think of this? She said, that sounds like a great idea. And so we prayed about it. Saturday, I sent out a group text. I said, guys, I just sent it to like 10 guys. I said, guys, this is what God put on my heart. And I'm thinking maybe this, this, maybe just meet specifically for this reason. to be. And it was just funny. To become world changers is the text that I sent them. And unanimously, all but one said yes. And so I said, cool, we'll start Thursday. That gave me like... Five days. And then God tells me, Carl, no books. No programs. And he says, if you trust the leading of my spirit, you'll see me glorified. And in the moment, I'm like, yeah. Then I'm like, who do I invite? He says, invite every guy in the gym. So I said, okay. I did. And the natural, when you look at it logically, our gym is people pay to come there. And, uh, you know, you have a check. This could actually blow up. Everyone could quit. I could offend everybody. But I said, you know what? I said, that's a risk I'm willing to take. So I said, okay. I invited everybody. So on Wednesday, I have nothing. That's why I have a little bit of faith up here today that it'd be okay. Because <laughs> the biggest fear that I ever had was that I was going to stand up in front of people. Then he says, I can't use a program or a book. And then he says, trust my spirit, but then he don't tell me anything. <laughs> it's a pretty good combination, right? But I, it's cool because what it did for me is it, it drew me a lot to this position right here. Saying, God, lest you show up. Lest you show up, I have nothing to bring. And this is where I begin to live. This is where I begin to cry out for. I begin from this place right here, I begin to cry out for that gym. I begin to cry out for his presence, to rest on that building, to flow through that building, that when people would come into that building, they'd come into his presence. And I learned how to pray revival. That's what he's showing me today. 
when you come after me to know me, when you trust me and you do as I say, as you walk with me faithfully, you will see things happen. You will see things manifest. But it's about knowing me. That's true revival. It's about knowing his heart. And so Thursday morning comes, he wakes me up on cue at about 3 o'clock. And I'll be honest, I was scared. I'm like, God, I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's almost like he says I know. And I said, what do I do? And all I felt was he start to pray. And I just remember I, I took my Bible and I had it between my hands because my heart cry was many times I pray, God, I want all this word here to be in my heart. I want to know you through this word. And so I took that thing, and it was the first time I've ever done it, but I, I just started pacing. We have a pretty long hallway from our kitchen to our laundry, and I'm pacing, and I'm just crying out, God, I want to know you. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? And I did that for about 30 minutes, but as I began to walk, all of a sudden I just felt his presence just compress me. And I began to weep. It wasn't, it was from the inside. It was from the heart. It was just coming out and I was just sobbing and I was praying, I just want to know you. I want to know you. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? And I finally had to stop because I had snot all over my face. And, and I, so I, I actually grab a towel and I clean myself up. And all I, this is all he told me. I was like, what does this mean? Because I knew it was him speaking, but I was like, what does this mean? And he says, my heart weeps because they don't know who they are to me. They don't know how much I love them. And he said, this is how you'll close today. And so I went in faith, having one sentence. It was good. I knew it would be good because of his heart. But I went, and 25, 24 or 25 men showed up. And I was like, and they're all like, all I had, to, I had told them, we're doing this thing, and I just feel like God's doing something. And the next thing I know, the thing that I feared the most, what's everybody fear in the natural? They fear to be vulnerable. They fear other people, they're going to know who they really are. And I had, that was me to it, to my whole life. One, I had this secret life that I had with porn that I didn't want anyone to know about. And then I had this other life that I hid behind fitness and then I hid behind money. And so like, and all I said, I, we start out, I said, guys, introduce yourselves. I said, I know your names, but I don't know anything about your family's this. So we went around the room. Everybody said that. It took about 10 minutes. I looked at the car. I said, yes, we still got to fill 50 minutes. And then I heard myself starting to talk. And the next thing I knew, I share. I was just pouring my heart out about the, the, you know the struggle I had my whole life, how I got set free from porn, how I had pursued. I moved here with no money and pursued a goal to become a millionaire, and how when I got there, just weeping because it was so empty, because it was such a lie. I said, "You can chase it. You can chase it all, but it will all leave you empty." And then. It was, it was honestly, guys, I can't, it was like such a thick wave of his presence dropped. Every single person in the room was just in tears on our very first day. 
And they all, and then I'm sitting there and all of a sudden he began to give me, like he'd tell me, he has something to say, he has something to say. Like he would just highlight him. I'm just, I have no idea. I, this, all this stuff is just what he does. When, when he comes, when his presence is here. I didn't ask for it. And next, you know, these guys are speaking and sharing and pouring their hearts. And then before I know it, the hour is over and we're having to close it because they all have to go to work. And so I got to share his heart. This is what he showed me. This is what he showed me. This is what it looks like. This is his heart for you, that you would know him. That you would know who you are to him. And so after that, I just, our gym became, for me, I cried out for it day and night. Day and night. I would, in the night, I would be up till midnight, up at three. The first thing I did when I woke up, I would get on my face, get in his presence, and I would cry out for what he's doing. And before I was, when I was getting ready for bed, I would always, I would pray over my house. I would get on my knees, and I would cry out for his presence to come and change people's hearts. And as this thing grew, like I said, we started, we started, we outgrew our building. And like, it's a whole other story. We had favor. We moved into another building that we got for, it was just an absolute miracle. They cut the price in half, five minutes hot the guy. It's just, when, when God, when, he, when you're doing it his way and you're seeking him and you're, you're with him, he literally, I'm not kidding, he cut the price in half in about 35 seconds. And I didn't ask him. I just told him, I think this building's mine. But the price is too high. And he says, would you offer me this? If he was my realtor, I would fire him. But it was, that's just, it's just amazing. And, that, and, and, and so we, we get this new building, and then it became stronger because it was right on Wade Hampton, and it's bright green, and it's so visible and you couldn't miss it from any side of Greer, and you'd see it if you flew over. But I started to pray. When I first time I pulled in there, I saw a vision of what it was supposed to be. And it was just full of people, and it was full of life. And so that's what I started praying for. And for three, well, it took three months to get the building from the day we talked, because there was a whole bunch of stuff. And there was some banks involved, and, and they weren't being real. We just, I just kept praying. I would go there. The realtor gave me the key. So here, come and go as you want. So I would just go in there and I would go, I would walk through the whole place and I would pray. I would pray over it. I said, God, this, I believe you're entrusting this to me, for you. And began to pray. Well, then we had, we ended up buying it and then we did a bunch of work in it. But the whole while I'm working there, I always would go there every day, sometimes twice a day, I would go in there and I would get on my knees just like this. And I would pray. I said, God, I, this is for you. This is for you, for, you, for people, to, to love people. It's an avenue to love more. And our little study group, well, actually, I, I'm backtracking. This, when this guy had asked about how to disciple and if there was a thing, he, when he told me to do that, well, this thing started to grow. And every week he would give me one word, sometimes three, sometimes a sentence. But every week, he would show up. Every week. And these, it was all these guys were from every ethnic, every background. I mean, so we had principles. We had every make and model. And 
the challenge every week was to know him, take this, apply it. And people would come back week after week with testimony. I had guys that weren't believers. One guy in particular, he's an engineer at Honeywell. And he comes to me one day. He says, man, I just want to thank you. He's not even a believer. He said, but I've taken this thing you're saying about just loving people and encouraging and lifting them up. He said, I've applied that at my workplace. And he was the head over this, like, whole sections of people. He said, it's completely changed everything. Our production's, like, way up. He's like, and he said, I've applied it at home. And every week, he came week after week. He didn't pray the prayer. But there's so many seeds in him. You just got to believe. You know, and I, it was just crazy. I, I watched one day. This is, this is another, un, the same guy that daughter got healed. He was doing a split jerk, like an Olympic lift. I watched him blow his meniscus out. His, I heard it pop. His legs snapped and he hit the floor. He went and got x-rays and they told him he had surgery. 14 days later, they're scheduled to do surgery. I'm praying for him. Not, I didn't lay hands on him. I had prayed for him some other things. He got healed. It wasn't about me. It's about people getting this intimacy thing and understanding who the Father is. And I'm, I'm just, in my quiet time, I'm praying for him and asking God, like, God, what do I do here? Well, Dan Moeller happened to be here that year. And I asked him, I said, am I thinking clear? I'm feeling like God wants to tell me this guy did. And he's like, absolutely, yes. Share that with him. So he comes in on crutches on a Thursday morning. And he's coming through the door, and I looked at him and smiled. I said, I said you're going to get healed today. And before you leave, I'm going to tell you how. He's like, okay. So we, we did our thing, and he's leaving. And I chased him out the door, and I just told him. I said, this is what the Lord showed me. That when you go home, he says to get alone with him. Get on your knees and just start thanking him for who you are to him. Thank you that, he, that you're his son, that he's your father, that he loves you. Thank Jesus that he paid this amazingly high price for you. I said, this isn't a formula. I said, t- I said as you do that, take one hand, put it on that knee, raise the other one to heaven, and just declare his goodness. Thank him for complete healing in Jesus' name. Whatever that looks like, however that happens, that's what I believe he's going to do. And he left, he was just, it hit his heart. He believed it, he left bawling. That was on a Thursday. Saturday, I get a text. I'm in my garage cleaning it. At 2 o'clock on Saturday, I get a text. He said, just, bro, bunch of exclamation points. I just ran 3.2 miles with no pain. And I'm doing cartwheels through my garage. Like, I'm jumping up and down. Because this is the whole idea. It's not about becoming a superstar. It's about empowering people, discipling people, into his presence to know him. And as you do that, things happen. He didn't come to the gym Monday. Tuesday morning, he comes walking in. He's like, dude, yesterday morning, I was coming to the gym, and I, but I he said, the Holy Spirit told me, nope, go for a run again. The guy weighed like 265 pounds. He's, a, you know, he's more of a lifter than a runner. For him to run the 3.2 miles was as much of a miracle as the, because he didn't like to run. But that's just what obedience does. And so he comes in, he says, yeah, I was actually, he starts to tell me how both stories happen. The first one on that Saturday, he, he, he said he, he got home and he, he did that. He sent his kids off to school. His wife's a, a teacher. and He went in the living room, got on the floor, and he just 
in his own words, in, his, in intimacy with the Father, he cries out. And he said he didn't feel no crazy anything except for he felt the pain leave. And so he got up and he gingerly, he went to work, he walked on it gingerly, just you know, believing but not fully believing. And the next morning he got up went to work again, but he had some pain. Some, he had some pain because he wasn't proclaiming it. Well, he went back and forth, and sometimes that's what faith looks like. He, he believed it, but then he didn't fully, because he wouldn't fully step on it. He wouldn't, there was, you know, but he was walking okay. His wife asked him, how's your knee that morning? He's like, well, God healed me. It's good. But he wasn't fully committed to it. Well, Saturday morning, he was going to play frisbee golf with his dad. And um, he went to get his whatever you get, and the Holy Spirit said, no, go back in the house, get your shoes, put on your shorts, and go for a run. And I just love the fact that he did it. He went back in the house, put on his shorts, put on his running shoes. And he said the first, he, first step, it hurt like crazy. The second one, he almost stopped. And all he heard was the word sprint. And he said, he said in faith, he just hit it, dead run, and took off. By the third step, full strength, ran 3.2 miles. Monday morning, he said, he told me again, I want to make sure you're so fully convinced. Go do it again. Tuesday morning, he comes into our gym, and I watched him front squat 330 pounds. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Amazing stuff. But I feel like, sorry, I don't know how it'll finish, but I feel like I want to put a little bit of scripture into this so it ain't all just about that, but I feel like it's really his heart because I really believe something big, big is coming. And he's really warning us not to be infatuated with signs and wonders. It's a really, really staunch warning because if you read in Matthew 24, we did this in your name, this in your name, this in your name, this in your name. And he says what? I never knew you. Signs and wonders don't make you a believer. Knowing him makes you a believer. The difference is one will elevate self. The one that knows him will walk in love and humility and you may never know what's happening. It's not about platforms and superstardom. It's not about that. It's about finding yourself in that posture when you're alone and learning what it looks like to walk in humility, to become trustworthy. I heard the word this morning, character, as we were praying in that room, like, Character is key. Without it, we're toast. Absolutely toast. And the enemy, he can mimic all kinds of stuff. We see, go back. You don't have to go too far in the Bible. When Moses is in front of Pharaoh, Moses throws his rod down, comes a snake. The sorcerers, same exact thing. Every plague, they turn the water in, into blood. Like everything Moses did, they mimicked. The reality is, signs and wonders you know, there's two worlds. There's two spirit worlds. And I really feel like that. It's not... On the same note, I'm saying pursue it because love, the goodness of God, draws men to repent. A non-believer being healed is going to draw him to the Father. 
but it's knowing Him that's going to bring it to pass. If, you, if, if we focus on a gift, and that's how we identify ourselves, if the gift stops, we're lost. Again, the enemy always wants that he's a counterfeiter. Know him. Cry out to know him, whatever that looks like. Cry out to know him. The reason why I feel like God wanted me to share this is because if you look at CrossFit and you look at that whole world, in the natural, it's a hopeless, dark place. If you pursue it with him, his presence on you, it becomes light. When it's, when it's built in love, all kinds of fun stuff happens. I had one man come in there. I know I'll, I'm going to share, I won't say his name, but I know most, a lot of you, anyone that comes to the gym is going to know who I'm talking about. And they'll just celebrate with me. This guy um, works for one of, a really big general contractor. He's a project manager. I saw him on a job site one day, and I invited him to our gym. The thing about our gym is I never advertised that it was a ministry. I ne- it wasn't, it was no. It's come and work out, come and get healthy, come. And the beauty is you get all that. But the hidden motive in my heart was if you come here, you're going to step into something, and it's going to change you. And I never had to tell you what it was. Because he transformed something. And so this guy, he had tried it, honestly, like the second week we had opened. And my goal then was to try to kill him. To show him how inferior his workout program was. So he was a little skittish when I'm telling him, you really should come try it. It's not what you think it is. So he did. It was just the time and chance that God just put, two, he just put something together. So he says, y'all come tomorrow. I said, I promise you it won't be what it was. I promise you. He comes and does the workout, and he loved it. So he comes for about two weeks. And I, again, I never said nothing. We were having our meetings. You know, people, people probably got healed or whatever, but it was always quiet. No one really knew. And he meets Greg, my project manager, on a job. He's like, why don't you come to the gym? Well, Greg, had, in obedience, had started his own, and easily, another long story, he said, I did, you know, but then God put this in my heart, so I started this because I wanted to have this same thing where I live, you know, to affect people where I am. And so and we had bought, it was in the transition of our building that all our old equipment, so we had blessed him with a bunch of equipment. So he said, yeah, Carl gave me this and this just so we could do this. And he's like, and that's all he told him. But this, this project manager is like, something fishy going on here. He calls me, he said, dude, I've known him nine years, but I've never went to lunch. So we need to go to lunch. He's like, why? What's up? He said, we just need to go to lunch. So I said, okay, let's go Friday. I almost canceled. I was busy. I said, I don't know. Like, it didn't feel like, I didn't feel like it was God. Probably why we don't depend on feelings. Because one of the greatest things that I've seen from our gym was that lunch. And what's happened in that man's heart? So I go. He sits down across from me at the table. He says, tell me your story. That's a scary word. Kristen would tell you that. You asked me to tell me 
you want me to tell you my story? I said, how much time you got? He says, I got all afternoon. I said, oh boy. <laughs> I think it honestly was two and a half hours later because he got the whole gamut. But three times, as I told him, we're in the little um, the New York strip club in Greer that fancy, they do that fancy Friday lunch. We didn't eat our food. It was freezing cold. Three times over the course of two and a half hours, he's in complete tears. We leave there, and I still, I knew God was doing something, but it didn't seem like a, we walk out together, you know, we did eat cold food, and then we walked out together, and I just blessed him. I felt the Lord said, just lay your hands on him and bless him. And I did, and off I went. Three weeks later, I get a call. He says, Carl, I just want to say thank you. I think, what for, man? He's like, that, he named the date. I don't remember the date. He has it. He said, that date is written in my journal. It's the date that my life was forever changed. He said, I don't know what was so significant that what happened in me. I have told everyone. And he was pretty involved in the church. He went to a Presbyterian church. He said, I've told everyone in leadership. I have shared your, this with everybody. And I, I wonder, would you come to my church? Would you share it? And I was going on a word that God told me, you'll share your story often with many. I said, I said I'd love to share my story, but I'm not, it's not time for me to go to your church. Why don't you bring them to my gym? That's more my element. He's like, cool. So he did. He brought like 14 guys. It's so wild because as, as this thing grew and as we walked in obedience, like he started coming. Like he came alive. He was, he was just like a lot of men. He was struggling with some stuff, struggling with a lot of the same stuff I did. Funny how God works that way. One lunch meeting, he gets set free. He dove in. He, per, he started to pursue God intimately, just like I was. And you could see it. it was, I mean, he was growing in leaps and bounds and leaps and bounds. And he ends up, I had a few dreams about him. And I shared a couple words with him of, of things that I felt like God was going to do through their company. And even a trans, uh, transplanting something in another city. And he didn't give me the name of the city. Well, actually, I take it back. It, he mixed two pieces in. Well, he comes to me one day and says, hey, I feel like we're called to Spartanburg. So me and my family, we're putting me and my wife, we just, yep, he's that guy. He's like, we just, we felt like God said it, our house is for sale, we're moving to Spartanburg. And it was to open, and then he went to his, he went and took this, he went to his boss one day, I think one of the words we had, one of the words God gave me on a Thursday was bitterness. And so we just spent an hour talking about bitterness and like how toxic it is and how it destroys and how it rips people apart. And as we're sitting there, he's just, he was bold as ever. He's like, there's something I need to take care of. Something with my boss. So he goes to his boss on a Friday at 2.30. Walks in there and says, hey, this has been in my heart. I want to share it with you. I want, to, I want to get out. And he says, and they talked for a while, and like, and I, I don't know, like he just, it was a long conversation. 
and they were talking about like company vision and like what it just God showed up is what happened. Next thing you know, he says, Yes, his boss, this is the this the CEO, you know. He's like, Can I pray for you? I was like, sure. He lays hands on him and blesses him. The next Friday his boss calls him up. So and every Friday from then, I don't know how long it was a long time period at two thirty, every Friday they started to meet and they started praying their vision over the city on what they, what God was gonna do through this company. But it's a gym. He came to work out. I never saw it coming. But see, when he gave me a new heart, I had to give him all of me. What an amazing exchange. And I can tell you that there's, there's different seasons that I've walked through. Last year was a season that it was one of great strength and character that was built, not just in me, but in her. I could, I could talk all day and share testimonies. I literally could talk all day and share testimonies of things I've seen there. Even with my son, like who he's become. And, and all, like so many people here that I've got to know that came there and worked out with us. Over and over again, I had police officers come in. Like there's something here. That's different. I can't explain it, but when you walk through the door, you can feel it. I had this man one day come by. It was a Saturday. I, wasn't, I, I was running a few minutes late. He stops, and he, um, he's talking to one of our lead trainers and says, Hey, I'd love to work out, but I have two. He had, he had had a back surgery. Two discs were bad, and he had reblown them out. I think he had three herniated discs and something else. And so Reagan tells him, hey, come back in about 15 minutes. Carl will be here. Didn't tell me that. I walk in. He said, hey, a guy's coming to see you. I said, what you, what, what's going on? He said, I don't know. He, just, he wants to join, but I really wanted you to talk to him. And sure enough, a few minutes later, I look up. Here comes this guy. He comes walking in. And, and I, met, I saw him, so I walked out. And Reagan's like, oh, there he is. So I walked to the front door. I walk outside. I said, hey, man, I'm Carl. And we start talking. He starts telling me what's wrong, but he really wants to get in shape. This wasn't a protocol. Usually, I was undercover. Usually, it was, I get you to join, and then God wrecks your heart. That was the, that was the deal. That's the way it worked. Like, you showed up, and then God showed up. This time, he is strong as ever. He said, pray for him. I met him, like, a minute. I said, hey, man, can I pray for you? He's like, sure. I said, can I put my hands on you? He said, yeah. I lay hands on him. You can feel it. Like the power of God came through him. Boom. His eyes got about that big, and he, he just starts bawling. And, he's, he's, I, and he, I'm telling him to test it. Like, he got completely healed. And he's like, now I want to join your gym. I said, dude, like, you don't have to join my gym. Like, it's not about that. I said... But he told me, he said, for two or three weeks, I drove by here every day, and that sign was like something about it. So I'm saying, you need to go in here. You need to go in here. You need to go in here. But it's a CrossFit gym. It was like some of the most amazing, funnest thing. But mostly when you came there, you would have never, all you would have noticed is there was a peace and a presence there. But overall, you didn't see anything different. 
except for everybody had joined this culture. People came in, people flocked to them. They would come and like they, they, they would flock to them and make you feel welcome. But they didn't know at the heart why the place is there. And I guess, to, I, I guess I think the Father's heart is what is revival? Again, it's about when we as individuals decide we want to press in, that we want God at any cost, that we're willing when he wakes us up at 2 o'clock in the morning to fall off the side of the bed to get on our knees and just start pressing in, to be okay with not sleeping more than three hours for nine months and really believing that he's amazing enough that you're not going to be tired. I can sit here and tell you today that it's really real. And I know that there's, there's others in here who will tell you the same thing. Logic, he didn't create it. That's that, that tree of good and evil. There's, there's some wisdom of man and logic. There's things about it probably that are good, but in the kingdom, he just wants to throw it all away. How much are you willing to press in? How much are you willing to go after? How much are you willing to give up to know him? I feel like that's his question. But with true revival, Dylan was saying it, something in this house that he's doing, he's building people, men and women of character, they're not seeking a sign. They're not seeking. The Pharisee said, show us a sign that we may know who you are. That just proved they didn't believe. It's about knowing him. But I believe he's building something here if we'll join him in it. It's birth in the place of intimacy. That's all of it's going to last. He don't want something that comes for a little while. It's amazing, a bunch of stories and, and something they'll talk about. Remember that day then. What he wants is something 25 years from now that's still burning strong. It's not weaker. It's getting hotter. But that's only going to happen as we as a people decide that we're going to fall on our knees. We're going to pursue his heart in that, in that secret place when nobody's looking. Amazing story like what Colin shared the other day. Like that's the reality. That's truly what it looks like. And I just heard it and this t to me is true. 30 minutes sent spent in prayer before you start your day will save you an hour. It don't, it don't make sense in the natural, but we're not in the natural, remember? We're living for another kingdom. We're building another kingdom. And I just know every single one of you has an opportunity, whether it's a place of work, a place you play sports, a gym, don't have to be CrossFit. He'll invade anywhere. It's as you know him, what do you say? These signs will follow those that believe. He didn't say go and find them. He just said believe that he's real. Be listening, conscious to what he's saying. Be radical enough to jump. Be radical enough to be okay to be humiliated. Because what did, you know, Philippians 2, what did he say? He humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation. The form of a bondservant. That's what Jesus did. And then he said, follow me. He didn't say, this quote in Moeller, he didn't say, sing to me. Praise me. This, he said, follow me. But then he said, if any man should follow him, he must first what? Deny himself completely disowned. You have no rights. If you're going to say you truly follow, you have zero rights to yourself anymore. 
you don't have any rights to your car. Anything that you have that you carry is His. That's revival. When you get to that place where everything you have, everything you steward, no matter what it is, is truly His. And we have to get beyond the thing that thinks that He wants to take everything from you. He don't. The only thing He wants to take from you is something that was never meant to be yours. He wants that old nature, the one that you got in the fall, He wants to kill it, destroy it, and put a nature of His Son in you. So I guess I told you I didn't need notes. I had a whole thing on Daniel I was going to do and about like not eating the king's food and like what all that looked like, but that's cool. But what I guess that is a question, you know, Daniel i got a few more minutes. You know, Daniel, the book of Daniel begins as, like, Israel's just, or, you know, destroyed. Never, you know, Babylon comes and wipes him out. He gets taken in as a slave, him and some of his buddies. So he's a prisoner, thrown into the king's palace. And there's a difference, and I think something he carries shows up in that old covenant that to me is amazing is because he knew his God. He knew his God so much that he didn't want to eat or do what others were doing. He said, I have faith that my God will sustain me through plants. I don't want, you know, through vegetables and water. I have faith to believe that he's building me for something greater, even though nothing in the natural looks like it. You know, when you look at it, He had every reason that we could see to complain. Every reason to say, these are insurmountable. This isn't going to happen. But he don't. He submits himself to the Lord. He consecrates himself. Like Dylan was mentioning, what does that mean? Spirit, soul, and body in line with the Father. Like, none of it is yours. He's everything or he's nothing. Not halfway. He wants all in people. He wants people that won't eat the king's food. And I think to me, like a parallel, like CrossFit. I was in the world and not of it. That's what it looked like. At a glance, it looked the same. The sign, it didn't look any different. Unless God was using it to call you. Your workplace, are you in it and not of it? Are you, truly, are you truly representing who you say you believe in, who you gave your life to? Are you crying out for revival? Is it a word we use loosely, or are you really in that quiet place? Are you on your knees crying out for what God wants to bring? Are you preparing your heart to actually steward what he's bringing? And if you look at, biblically, if you study it, revival or the Holy Spirit outpourings, metaphorically speaking, it's water. But if you, watch, if you watch the news and you look at any of the catastrophic things we've seen where water breaches the dam, uncontrolled water flow is nasty. It causes destruction and it destroys everything in its path. It's the same exact thing. If you have revival without character, without intimacy with the Father, 
it destroys everything in its path. It will go for a while, but when the water goes far enough inland, it will spread out so far, it'll soak in, it'll be gone. But what is he saying? Know me. Create channels to control this water flow so that years from now it's still flowing through it. Teach others what it looks like to actually have a heart for revival. That's what he's saying. That's what he's, he's, it's not, and he's, it's from an intimate place. As a father, he's crying out, will you press into me? Will you humble yourself? Will you get down on your knees and just start to cry out for it? God, at any cost, I don't, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I'm publicly humiliated. I want more of you. That's what he's inviting us to. Then, this, you know, this isn't a huge building. Not a, you know, but if we all actually join, unity, true unity, biblical unity, is joining in that truth. It's not just coming into agreement saying we can get along and you, know, you can have your truth and I'll have my truth. And No. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's one way to the Father. It's Him. Unity has to be through that one truth. The true gospel truth. Good. God, I just thank you. Just for who you are. God, I thank you that you so long to know every single individual in this room and everyone that will listen later on podcast. God, everyone, I just say in Jesus' name, I just say release your presence. Release just a hunger and a desire, God, that your sons and daughters would just come to figure it, just come to know who you are, and in doing that, they would discover who they are. That they have all authority in heaven given to them that sonship or that they would go into their workplaces into their place of recreation Lord into their family and get together Lord wherever they go that they would be salt they would be light that they would they would bring this gospel of the kingdom that life and love would come it would flow that Jesus your name would be glorified Father, we love you, and in, our, in unison, our hearts cry out, yeah, bring this revival, God. Bring this revival, but more than that, bring the character to steward this revival, that it would be here 25, 30, 50, 100 years from now, we'd still be saying, remember where it started, and God, isn't it so amazing how much it's grown? Father, we honor you, we worship you, and our hearts cry out just for more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.